All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the spookiest podcast on Halloween. Ooh. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm petrifying Paul. That's Ooh. the best I could improv. Uh, we have, just so people know, we have Scott on the road uh, in the in middle the scariest of- place of all. Yes. Um, <laughs> we will oh, Nebraska. Yes. He's on his way, obviously, to Lincoln. And some other big college towns because he's, he, you know, Scott, uh, you know, for the, the people who are on Patreon and send us the PayPal money, we put all of that into Scott's scouting report that he puts together every year. Um, and, you know, he's uh, he's staying in a, in a hotel and he's he's getting a lot of uh, good information. Absolutely. I'm just I'm just waiting out here, just lurking outside, waiting for tips. I'm just like hiding in a little trash can outside someone's room, waiting to hear them talk about, you know, their mama's cousin is in jail. And so they're not going to play well on Sunday. Very good. Very good. So we'll, we'll be sure to get the dirt on all of that. Um, Paul, how has your uh, Halloween been so far? And then we'll get into the, the scary details of the bill season. Yeah, it's been great. I did some uh, some scouting. I went to uh, to Crystal Lake to see if there are any yep. any good people emerging yep. there, emerging from the water. And then heard about a quarterback lives over on Elm Street, so check that out for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then there's their good uh, uh, young good defensive lineman from Haddonfield, Illinois. So I, I've just been going or Indiana. I've been, I've been going all yep. around the country to try and find some good players for the Bills. So yeah, it's been been uneventful. I have no kids, so it's mainly pretty much horror movies for me, as as you might guess. But that's totally fine uh fine way for me to spend my halloween very good very good and i uh i am too scared to watch horror movies so you're a better man than i uh but i did watch one horror movie this week do you guys know which one it was oh is it that one that was monday night on espn it was it was the new england buffalo massacre part 29 (laughs) yeah I, I, i went to see the halloween movie by myself on friday not as terrifying as what I witnessed Monday night. Yeah, uh, so it, it's amazing that after all these sequels that it still has the punch that it does. Um, but the Bills lose. Uh, I, you know what? I don't want to say it was in horrifying fashion, right? The score is 25 to 6. Um, it's, it's, I don't want, I also don't want to say it was closer than the score looks, but it certainly was closer for longer than the score looks. It was, it was a, right. It was a three-point game or a six-point game going into the uh, into the fourth quarter uh, before New England blows it open. Um, the Bills had held, you know, the Patriots' offense to nine points going into the into the or twelve points going into the fourth quarter. They, of course, only mustered six the whole evening. Then they gave up a what was probably the back-breaking touchdown with James White's rush, and then the then the the nail in the coffin. You know, as as the Bills started to sit up again after they had been shot ten times, uh, the the hero Patriots turned around and put the final you know <laughs> bullet in the forehead uh, with a, a pick six, uh, something they hadn't done in in at least forty games because we had to hear about how that was their first defensive touchdown in forty games. Uh, returned the ball eighty four yards. Uh, Bills defense was one story. Uh, the Bills offense a whole other story. Um, and amazingly, <laughs> at the end of the game, Derek Anderson goes out with a concussion. And as awful as it was, there's a good chance it's going to look worse <laughs> next week. <laughs> Somehow this team might look worse with Nathan Peterman starting. But let's go to Scott um, on the ground in, in Omaha. <laughs> uh, if you could give us your impressions of the Monday night game and uh, and, and what you made of it. Uh, yeah. No, it was... Um, I 
was really hoping that I knew I had to get up early the next morning and I was really hoping it would be a, Oh, well, the Patriots are up 35, nothing in the first quarter. I can go to sleep. Yep. And of course that's not what happened because that's never happens when you want it to happen. When you've got all the time in the world to watch the game, that's when they lose by 40 in the first quarter. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, you don't want to overstate it too much. The bills have had games when the defense comes to play and they're motivated this season that they look like they can almost hang around and that you can see the theory of victory for the bills, which is, you know, the grinded out defense, get a turnover or two. And then with any kind of competent quarterback play, you can maybe make some plays here and there um, to do that. And, and even, and, and, even, you know, on a Monday night game with the crowd really going, you can even hang with the Patriots for, for four quarters. Um, and that's that's really what happened. I mean, Anderson did not play a spectacular game, but he certainly, again, was his replacement level self. He, he you know, moved the ball between the 20s and got him in a field goal range once or twice. And then, you know, the, the run game obviously was was the biggest flaw in, the, in, the, in that plan because theoretically that's what's really supposed to kind of bridge the gap um, on offense. That was extremely disappointing. Um, the other thing was, and, and obviously the biggest disappointment is, is just seeing the defense go out there and really play their hearts out for, for, you know, pretty much the whole game. And then just completely like they didn't even cover the spread by the end. Like they absolutely deserved a win and it's very frustrating. And literally I was looking, you know, we're going to do three stars later. I was looking down at the bills, defensive players and you could have given like, it was a star level effort, star level performance, not just effort. Like everyone can try that. Trying is, you know, there's no try do or do not. Um, everyone really earned a star based on their performance. Like, you know, Milano, Alexander, uh, Edmonds was a noticeable impact on a couple of plays. And then when he was out, the Patriots immediately started attacking Stanford who came into sub for him. Right. Um, the, you know, the defensive line, Kyle Williams, Jerry Hughes had pressure, uh, Tredavious White obviously taking George Scott, Josh Gordon out of the game for a large, large part of it. Micah Hyde with a big special teams coverage uh, with a big punt run back. Um, all those guys played really, really well, and it's so frustrating to see them not be able to – you know, to, to, you know, again, their defense, the defense is better than a two and six team. Um, and it's very frustrating that there's no real way, you know, despite the roster moves we'll get to later, there's no real way that this team's going to reward them with any kind of um, effort. And that that's again on Bean and McDermott. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time on them last week, but uh, they, they clearly don't have a, don't have an answer for how this team's supposed to, to win this year. Yeah, yeah, uh, my thoughts largely echo Scott. I think the one thing which I I was not going to mention, which I'm glad Scott did, is this is a team that does depend on the run game to bridge that gap and getting turnovers to bridge that gap. And those were two reasons where, you know, two major reasons why this didn't end up being a Bills victory. You know, yeah, the first play of the game was McCoy and Wildcat, 12-yard run. And it was, it's like, great. We are off to a great start. Then he ran 11 more times for one more yard total for the, the duration of the game. Ivory looked good at points, but, you know, Bill Belichick has proven year after year, he will make you beat you with his left hand. Is they, or with your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> with his own left hand. It's, he cuts it off. It's really gruesome. Anyway, he will make you beat him with your own, own left hand. So your goal. Yes. <laughs> On, on on defense, that means he took away the Bills' run game. They they put a bunch of people in the box. Darren Anderson to beat them. He did miss the flea flicker to Clay. It could have been, 
a difference maker. He did do a lot of check down passes, but as Scott mentioned, he was largely his replacement level self, which is unfortunately not good enough to really do anything against the, the, the Patriots, except get them into field goal range and kick a couple of field goals. And on, on offense for Belichick, it meant not turning over the ball. You know, when the Bills have beaten Tom Brady in Buffalo, both games you had four interceptions where where they beat him. So, you know, we probably said to Tom, you know, don't, you know, he probably even said, you know, you know, not to take too many chances. They're a solid defense. Do you got to do, move it down the field. I think it was uh, something I read was the, you know, lowest uh, TD rating for, or lowest quarterback rating for Brady in a game where, you know, he threw for over 300 yards and his team won and, you know, he threw no touchdowns. Some bizarre stat, but it comes down to the fact that, that it was, you know, saying, hey, make the passes you need to make. Don't take too many chances and, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can to keep this game close. But, of course, the overall impression is just how frustrating this this offense is to, to watch. It, it was at points almost unwatchable again this week. They need McCoy to play better. They need the offensive linemen to do better. They need, you know, maybe give the ball to Ivory a little bit more. The quarterbacks just need to do something, do anything. And that was, you know, I used to yell at the bar, do something competent. But I don't even need competent at this point. I just need something, you know, something at all that moves a a ball forward a few yards. And it is so, you know, just discouraging to watch them go out week after week and really – you can't point to a single good offensive game this season. They had some moments in the second half against the Chargers. They had some moments in the first half against the Vikings, but they were handed a short field on three of their touchdown drives, not that long a field on another. So they had one good drive. And since then, they looked terrible against the Packers, against Tennessee, where, again, they were handed the ball to about the 25-yard line or so. And then the last three losses haven't done anything. So – you know, things are really going to have to to change in the coming weeks or it's just going to be more ugly football after ugly football for the rest of the season. You know, it's funny because it really was re- the you guys have both described it as replacement level quarterbacking. And I, I don't disagree with that. It's, you know, 290 yards. And but the, the, the point, at least what I was thinking about when I was watching the game was even though they weren't getting touchdowns, it was easily the most competent the past game had looked. Uh yes in in the entirety of the season thus far and it it really sort of cast a, a pallor on um you know Josh Allen's performance that you were getting as much as you could as out of Zay Jones and and Calvin Benjamin and you know some of that might be you know his experience and 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 there's a bit of a rapport that you just he's it's easier for him to get up to speed because he's been playing football longer um and some of it might just be uh, you know, I don't want to say that he's 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 a better quarterback than Josh Allen, but certainly that um, that maybe they were they were finally trying harder. You know, like they were finally like fed up of sucking, and so that you know that they they gave it a real go, um, but they still couldn't score points. Um, you know, McCoy nothing on the ground, a little bit in the the leading receiver in the air, um, but to see them even just make some of the attempts, I was sort of encouraged, and I kept thinking that you know they. They they were gonna break through. They never did. the The defense too, obviously. Just to the, I know when I felt they lost, it was Milano just misses the interception. Um, it's tipped up. It's one of those ones you look at and you're like, oh, you you're never you're not gonna get that chance again. And 
sure enough, the next play, it's third and eight. It's a three-yard pass, and the running back makes – I forget who missed the tackle, but um, – Yep, it was, that, that was Stanford, which goes to Scott's point earlier, that the second Edmund right. out of that game, that was, what, about third and eight or so, and White just eluded Stanford, and that was the Patriots' only – offensive touchdown drive was, you know, due to was Stanford that, being there for Edmonds. Right. And it was, and it was exactly in that moment when he gave up that first down that I was, I said to myself like that is, that's it. They're going to score the touchdown on this drive because they, you know, that's, they had been making that tackle all night and they, you know, that's had been their bread and butter was they had kept the Patriots in front of them when they had been in those positions. And that was the, you know, so you had gone from, you know, Milano who had a great game and, and you don't want to like, beat him up for not having made the interception uh he made a he still made a pretty good play but it was clear that you know that the next level was the first time they really kind of had a sloppy moment and then of course you know you're trying too hard to you're trying too hard to to score because you haven't all day and you you throw it you make a terrible decision and um you know ball game it only it doesn't you, you needed the help to begin with um against the Patriots and so to then you know make the mistake on top of it you know it's a killer so uh it, it the last thing about the defense that was encouraging and then I feel like we can get to three stars you know it wasn't a foregone conclusion in my mind that this was a great defense if you watch what Indianapolis did to them it was I was concerned that you know they were they were garbage too um and so uh very sad to see Tremaine Edmonds go out, but it was very good effort against, uh, you know, a great team, a perennial great team, and, and still a good offense. So um, kudos to the defense. I feel like they at least redeemed themselves. But man, oh, man, this is – there's nothing uh, – this was their game plan, right? Right, Scott? Like Scott said, like this was the, the we're not good game plan, and your best bet is to try and hold him and, and steal one. And they couldn't do it. So just try, yeah, and, just try and stay in the fight. Just keep rope open. Just keep right. keeping that jab out there. And then hopefully you just kind of either you sneak one in at the end or you win on points. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever the answer is, you just try and get it, get out of there. And, you know, we, we played rope a dope and then they knocked us out. They had one, you know, hard left uh, hook in the 11th that round and then, and then mm -hmm. the uppercut in the 12th. And that was it. And maybe then, maybe you hit that flea flick early. That would have been a nice little jab to start the start the game. Maybe they get a few yeah. more big runs. But yeah, they they played the game we we thought they would they would play, and they did, I did get those things. I did like that they did that too because I felt like they knew. Like I think that's an admission that like they under you know for all well, the, we're not going to do this on talent alone on offense is what that's an admission of, which it was fine. I did right. not mind that admission because we all know it. Right, and it's an and it's an honest admission that that this is our game. This is our best and only chance is this, you know, we probably wish we had a better game plan and better talent. And we know, and we know that that's a problem because, you know, we're going to beat them up and, and rightfully and, and, and keep beating them up for the roster they put together. This is their fault. But when you're in the thick of it, you've got to come up with some sort of game plan. So the fact that they were willing to try a couple of things early and to, and to, um, uh, you know, play a little have a wrinkle really have a wrinkle really right a couple of wrinkles you know the 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 direct snap and all that um you know it's a it's a reinforces that we need to pass a game right we need to <laughs> join, we need to join the 21st century and and play football you know and and for a team to have 
Thurman Thomas's number retired and the nineties team, which was a passing offense. Um, you know, it's a shame how far we've fallen, but, uh, thus is life. So Scott, I, uh, I, I give it to you for three stars and then we yeah, can we'll, go we'll, from there. We'll, we'll do three stars and we'll, we'll start this is the all defense edition of three stars given the, <laughs> The character of the game, I think, demands it as such. Um, sure. I will give I will give an honorable mention to Matt Milano, who I think would have obviously made three stars if he did pick that off. Um, but he, I mean, the the thing the the two things that kind of separate the Patriots on the field, and I, so I'll take Belichick as like a guy on the sidelines. Separate them on the field are Brady to a certain extent, and Gronkowski. Gronkowski is the is is the uh, is the man who you do not have a match for. He is the the this you know he is unbeatable, and I think that Milano's ability to stay with him for much of the game and contain him for what they did, I think he deserves a great amount of credit for that. And he was obviously very helpful in run support. Um, he had a little bit of pass pressure that he was able to get on, um, but his work on Gronkowski gives me hope that maybe we have a bit of an answer for that problem to the extent that Gronkowski is even in the league in another year or two, depending on his contract and retirement and such. But so he gets the honorable mention there. Um, your third star, I will also give to another bill that goes to uh, Lorenzo Alexander, who had six tackles, and two sacks. Um, he, uh, he he was really again, you know, leader of the defense and gets credit for the to, to a certain extent for the performance the defense put in. Obviously, there are other guys we could have given it to as well. Like I was saying, uh, you know, uh, Harrison Phillips had four tackles. Uh, uh, Kyle Williams, I think, had a sack. Maybe no, he didn't. He had to keep his head. Um, but, you know, Hughes had pressure, everybody had pressure, but he, Alexander definitely was able to get there, finish the play on a couple of occasions, um, and that's what you have to do with Brady, and you really have to put him down there sometimes. And he also um, so, blew up Brady on an attempted block, which is just <laughs> beautiful to see. Yes, enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, the great game for Lorax. Um, second star, unfortunately, we have to go to the other side of the ledger at this point. Um, I will give it to uh, – you could go with Trey Flowers. You could go with Kyle Van Noy. I will actually go with Trey Flowers. Um, he did not have the sacks technically that Van Noy did, but he had two big tackles for loss on run plays, and there were plenty of other times when he was breaking pressure, forking, uh, forcing Anderson into throwing it too early, um, blowing up run plays, forcing McCoy or whoever to cut around him. Um, again, probably – you know, again, a good defensive player. The Patriots have good defensive players. They're not a bunch of, you know, all-stars back there to a certain extent um, and all-pro uh, talent, um, but they're obviously having a very effective scheme, a very effective game plan. Um, but Trey Flowers is one who, who certainly played well on Sunday and is probably on the higher end of their talent level. Um, and then the other thing I'll say, uh, so again, another good Patriots player, not a great Patriots player, but a good Patriots player um, is Devin McCourty who obviously has been in New England for many years, kind of. Was he the one who went and came back, or was that Jason McCourty who went and came back? I'd have to, I'd have to check. I'm going to – I will Google that now. Uh, was, but like, Yeah. Yeah, so he obviously um, – you know, three tackles, but obviously um, you don't want to put – again, the game was bigger than Milano dropping the pick and McCourty making Absolutely. the pick. Um, but at the same time, this is three stars. Someone's got to get the third star. You make the, if you're the one with the, if, if, uh, make a hockey reference, if you're the guy hanging out at the net and the puck hits your stick and you put it in the goal at the 30 seconds to go in the game, you, you know, you get it, you get the first star. It's just how it works. So, uh, Devin McCourty, uh, seals the deal for the Patriots and gets the first star. Um, 
and yes, Tom and Brady. I didn't realize they were identical twin brothers, the McCordys. So I'm glad, glad I've looked that up. There you go. Tom Brady gets zero stars. Zero stars for Tom Brady. That is a uh, that's that's your three stars wrap up right there. Very no- well. Could have been nicer, obviously, but <laughs> yes, uh, as nice as could be done with the with the situation as as done. Okay, so. Um, Let's move on to let's let's go to the trade deadline and the roster moves that have been made, and then we'll come back to um, the topic du jour, um, the freakout topic. Uh, so, uh, Derek Anderson is in the concussion protocol, as is Tremaine Edmonds. They're both in the concussion protocol. And you um, could argue that Edmonds being concussion protocol is actually a bigger deal because you know, well, we'll we, we'll argue that. That's what we'll do. I'm I'm fully comfortable saying that because he's a part of the future of the team and right. he, he needs things like likes reps and 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 uh, and uh, playing to feel time like and, his to feel like his career has many years in front of him and he's not going to you know like lose his mind quite literally in the next three years playing football right um so America but also uh, that the the big th- thing with Anderson uh, going down is you know that left us one healthy quarterback on the roster um i say healthy and i say quarterback in quotes uh healthy is not so much in quotes but quarterback is in quotes um well he may be healthy right now but he won't be in a matter of weeks no what happens when you line up behind center for the buffalo bills yes uh nathan peterman once again rising from the grave to to uh in true horror fashion uh take the helm most likely on Sunday. This is, of course, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and so we don't know for sure. The press conference I heard made it sound like if Derek Anderson clears p- concussion protocol on Saturday or Sunday morning, he's going to play. Um, that's what McDermott sounded like to me. But in anticipation uh, of only having one quarterback available, the, they, they signed Matt Barkley. Uh, to a one-year deal. Uh, they also signed, signed Terrell Pryor Sr., a wide receiver with quarterback play uh, to a year's deal. And Colton Schmidt is in because uh, can, the punter whose name who I can now never say properly Corey uh, Bajorquez. is also going to be unavailable. So we started with Scott with the game. Let's start with Paul on these roster moves. Um, uh, putting Peterman to the side for the moment. Um, comment on the on these roster moves. Um, and include the fact that the Bills made no trades of their tradable assets, um, including LaShawn McCoy, Calvin Benjamin, despite apparently fielding offers on LaShawn McCoy. Um, yeah, and you know, I'll, feel I'll free to talk about that too. Yeah, and I'll start with the non-trade aspect of it. I I get this a little more. It, Jerry Sullivan, uh, lo and behold, actually made a correct uh, assertion in his article on, on the uh, Bill's lack of activity trade deadline, though then he went off on his usual tangents and made no sense on everything else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Bills are planning to win football games next year, and we've talked on the podcast before about this window not being as big as, you know, we a lot of people think it's going to be. So winning next year, maybe not the whole thing, but being a legitimate playoff contender is, you know, in the cards for what the Bills' plan is. So I wasn't opposed to them keeping McCoy at the deadline because when you trade him away, and I made this point on Twitter, it's just going to create another hole that an already awful offense needs to fill. And as we talked about the last podcast, I had no opposition at all. If they could get good value for him, and I mean at least like a second-round pick, I would think, then, you know, then trade him. 
you know, but let's be honest, if you're trading for him and you're another team, the second round pick is probably not fair to you unless you're John Gruden in which you just don't know how to trade. But, you know, I, I understand why it didn't fall through. The Bills were saying if we're going to create a hole on an offense filled with holes, we're going to need to be well compensated for it. And the teams that wanted him were like, this is a 30-year-old 30 30 running back. He's going to be 30-plus soon. He's under contract for only one more season. So we're not going to give up a lot for him. So I think that's probably how that got deadlocked, and I'm fine with the Bills not wanting to create another hole on offense. Because when you think about it, yeah, your third-round picks can turn out really well sometime, but is that third-round pick going to be as good for the Bills long-term as the potential is for LaShawn McCoy to be good the rest of this season and next season? It's debatable, but at least I understand the lack of activity. Now, I think Benjamin, I truthfully, I just don't think there was any interest. You know, a lot of people are on the bills for that. I think you could have asked for a bag of balls, and I don't think people would have taken on his contract for the rest of the season for a guy who's done nothing. So that was my assessment on on that front. I guess the bills didn't really explore any trades for people. They are obviously mining the free agent wire to get people like Terrell Pryor. I like this this move, and I, it's the same reason I you know didn't mind the Corey Coleman move, trading for a seventh rounder in twenty twenty or whatever, which was essentially like. There's nothing wrong with taking a flyer. This is even better than that because Pryor has shown that he can succeed at the NFL level and the Bills didn't have to give anything up in order to get him on the roster. Now, I'm also a realist. After his 2016 season, he did nothing of note last year. The Jets, who aren't exactly you know, a receiver-heavy team, is, when he had the slightest groin injury, so we're just going to cut him anyway. And so I don't necessarily see him rising to the next level. If you saw his interview uh, with BuffaloBills.com, he talks a good game. He has no problem cursing in an interview, so you like that. So, you know, but, again, you lose nothing here. He makes your receiver core better just by his mere existence as someone who succeeded at the NFL level, which the Bills don't have on their current staff of receivers. If you want to maybe you could count Benjamin having slightly succeeded before. So I like the prior signing. I like, uh, um, well, before we get on to, you know, the Barkley signing, I'll mention Colin Schmidt. You know, he was tailgating for the Bills week one after they cut him. I like that spirit, so I'm glad to have him back in the fold. I'm not as anti-Bahortez as a lot of fans, but, you know, I think Colton Colton's going to do fine. The quarterbacks. So Barkley, again, they the Bills' line on this is that he had played more recently than some of the other options out there who may or may not like to kneel during national anthems. So, you know, there is some some logic in that, that they found, like, the only quarterback who throws interceptions at the same rate as Nathan Peterman does on the street. So they weren't going to – I understand, okay, you don't want to trade and give up assets for a guy who's not your long-term plan, you know, as a second or third string on another roster. But it's, you know, you – to me this is just – I don't know. I It's so tough to even – this is kind of like saying, well, the Bills signed a guy named Jeff Toole or that, like, you know, this guy's not a part of the team after this season. Remember they had Vince Young and Matt Leinert on the same, on the team at the same time for like literally less than a week. Oh yeah. Like Matt I, Leinert. Oh man. Yeah. I feel that way about, about Barkley too. It almost, I mean, I, I need to address it, but I don't want to waste too much breath on him and, and just say that yeah, he's a guy and he's a guy that they're just, you know, going to put in a, in a spot if Peterman fails and Anderson doesn't recover in time. Uh, but it's also very possible we're never going to see him in a Bills, Bills uniform. But the, the quarterback situation is a mess, and the Barkley signing doesn't really do anything to address, even though I have no general opposition <clears throat> to getting him on the roster. 
Scott? Uh, so the biggest impact to me of the of the roster moves and the and the the, the no trading is that the next time that a major um, TV network broadcasting a Bills game wants to put up a completely random graphic of Bills quarterbacks <laughs> on Niagara Falls for some reason. They'll have another person to put on like a barrel or something going over the falls because Barkley will be part of the, the crew at that point. So I think yeah, those, those graphics were freaking crazy. I, I don't know where those came from. The, the haunted house one? Like yeah. it didn't really make any sense. Like why is it a haunted yeah. house? Just because Tom Brady nervous? jumping through a table? That that really made the least sense of all. <laughs> I gotta say I liked the Niagara Falls one, but the the, the table one was was nonsense. Boo. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was like Josh Allen kind of chilling on a toucan, I think, was floating around in there. I'm trying to remember the graph exactly. It was a raft of some sort. My, yeah. my wife and I were trying to determine what type of bird it was. Yeah, and then it's like Tyrod goes over the thing on the kayak, but like, but but we traded him, so would that wouldn't he be going up the yeah. the river? Like, it's supposed to. I'm very confused. I thought anyway. it was kind of funny how like AJ McCarron suddenly like yeah Tyrod <laughs> just goes. He seems like I'm all in and I'm gonna go over the edge, and AJ McCarron is like at the last second like oh my god my hands, and then you know, <laughs> and. uh Right. So if you had, just like maybe they were doing that on Monday Night Football all this year, and I just haven't been paying attention because I've yeah, I, did, I never noticed it before, but maybe they have been. And this is why we just watch Monday Night late, Football. Late, welcome to the party, pal, as uh, as Officer Al would say. Um, anyway, so you know, Paul obviously made a lot of good points. I mean, to me, this kind of gets a little bit to the the last thing I said last week of like, I wonder if McDermott can feel like if he is mentally flexible enough to allow a trade of someone like McCoy, who is clearly the only one on the offense who um, has any real kind of game-breaking ability um, at this point, and that whether he feels like he can say, we're, we're serious about building a culture of winning on this team, and then go trade the only guy on the offense who's good. Like, I don't know if he can sell that to his locker room without losing the culture that he is trying to build. Now, again, they may not have gotten the price and obviously we don't know exactly about the power dynamics. I still think McDermott's involved on all the big calls. And I think if, if Bean got an offer for McCoy, I don't think he's pulling the trigger without talking to McDermott and probably Pagula at that point. But um, I don't, I would wonder if, if McDermott could, and, and, and the, the, the consider the implication of that hypothesis is very serious in the sense that I don't know if if McDermott can make the tough decisions that go beyond culture to to getting like the the NFL is I don't want you know it's not the X's and O's it's the Jimmys and the Joes it's not the fucking culture either it's <laughs> it's it's the players you have to have people like Tom Brady it's the talent stupid <laughs> I, I think that's an inspirational poster in the Bills Fieldhouse. <laughs> I don't know if it's word, but it's close. <laughs> That's when, when McDermott's fired in two years, it's going to be, it's not the fucking culture is the bumper sticker for the new guy. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So I think, again, there's not a lot of evidence to support that, obviously, I mean, other than we know McDermott likes culture um, and McCoy is somewhat good. Um, so there's no, I don't want to prelay that too much. Um, right. And uh, McCoy didn't of, hold himself accountable after the game, talking about how he was terrible. He was. He, and he, he was. Job, yeah. Well, he was not trying to pin it on the line or saying the offense generated was terrible. He pointed it right to himself. So, 
you know, I think McDermott appreciates that accountability. Yeah. And the only other thing I'll add on the, the moves is, um, you know, with prior, I, I kind of like this deal. I liked prior a, a, year, a year or two ago when he was with uh, the, where was he? The Niners, Washington the Redskins. Yeah. The Redskins. He was enjoyable to watch, and, and he's, he's a guy who does have some – he has the quarterback background, as we know, from the Ohio State University, as many people there would, would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I like, you know, guys who have played quarterback because it gives them a better understanding of the offense and an understanding of how they mix into the field, what the coverage is trying to do, and what, how that kind of work. He obviously has the physical skills to play in the league. Obviously, it's just a short-term contract, but in the sense that he'll be a free agent after this season and we can get to try him out. Hopefully, you know, we can see what he looks like in whatever the table offense is. And if we, if we like him, hopefully we can get, you know, a little bit of a, I don't want to say hometown discounts, but at least we'll know, like, you know, if we go out and resign him with some of that cap money as like the number, you know, if we move Zay Jones to the slot, I feel like Terrell Pryor is a good solid number two receiver, or at least some combination of him and Zay Jones are a good number two and number three. Um, now, obviously, Pryor probably not as effective in the slot. He's not as, you know, shifty and, and kind of small as usually what you want there. Um, but regardless, I think you could work him in, you could develop a package for him. That would be effective. So I, I, I like that move. Um, it's just, it, this season is essentially irrelevant because the team's worthless and, and has, um, you know, Charlie Brown's pumpkin playing quarterback at this point. So and they're looking at a top three pick. <laughs> Although Mike Rodak did point out on uh, Twitter that the bills by the ESPN metric had the toughest schedule in the first half of the season, but have the easiest schedule the second half of the season. So we'll see how this ends up going. Yeah. We will see indeed. Um, what else will we see? I, I, I don't have any different comments. I don't think other than, um, no, I don't have any different comments. I feel like we've had a nice discussion on that and I'm not going to taint it with my nonsense. Um, so Nathan Peterman, um, I just have this here as a moment to freely scream or be angry or once again, lament. How does this man have a job? How have we not yet, you know, signed a different court now? Is there a chance that, like, let's say by the bye, let's say by the bye week. By the bye. Right. Uh, by the bye week, Matt Barkley has come along a little, and Derek Anderson's no longer in the concussion protocol. Do, we, do you think that finally makes Nathan Peterman superfluous, or do you no. think... Or, or do you think Barkley's going to go, or, or Anderson or something? I mean, you, do you think that's how it'll go? What does Frank, it take? You, you know, and I'll let Scott start, but I'll just open with a statement. Frank, you can't kill the boogeyman. Nathan Peterman. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Sorry. <laughs> Nathan Peterman, the Michael Myers of the Buffalo Bills. He cannot be stopped. You can only lock him away. You can only injure him. Yeah. Um, no, he is. He is. Uh... I sacked him six times. Sorry. I did. I mean, the, the problem is, is that like you can so totally see McDermott selling it as like, look, Nathan has still got a bright feature in this league. We're going to stash him on the on the practice squad or we like the way he works, on game we like the maybe. way he prepares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like we, we like that he's a white quarterback who shows up to work every day. Right. <laughs> Whatever the answer he is. To the right God. Like, he's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. let's be blunt here. He babysits my kids on the weekends. Exactly. Like, whatever it is, he still like, has those naked pictures of my wife. 
Um, but <laughs> Peterman, again, it's like I can see Anderson sticking. Uh, obviously, Allen, you can't cut. Um, and yeah, and then so yeah, Barkley's got to hit the street. I, I don't know how it was. We thought we could get by with just the two of them. Again, that's a discuss- That's a debate that will live on as long as this. You know, these two guys are running the franchise, um, and they don't like get to the Super Bowl. Like, if they get to the Super Bowl, okay, we can stop talking about the the Peterman, uh, Allen, you know, battery uh, to start off the 2018 season. But until then, that's the uh, that's that's the uh, that's going to be on the, the tombstone of this particular pair. Yeah, it's I I was there was about a billion ways I could go with this, and I feel like I've I've said a lot of things in recent weeks, and I was about to begin with like you know what bugs me about this, and I realized there's about a billion things to do. But I just want to focus on one thing specifically about the fact that that he's the guy right now again bothers me is that how low is the bar for him right now? Like legitimately, if he goes out and goes nine of twenty four for 101 <laughs> yards with a touchdown and no picks or a touchdown and one pick or eight of 17 for 81 yards and no interceptions and no touchdowns. Like, are going to be like, you know what? He, he, didn't, he didn't turn the ball over as much. So, you know, he at least broke the hundred yard barrier. I feel like he's got nowhere to go, but up. And I, and I think no matter how badly he does on Sunday and how much the team loses by, if they do in fact lose, because the bears, is you know is generally okay as they've been. They have really shot themselves in the foot some games this year. You know, there's he he could literally throw one touchdown, two interceptions, go eighteen of forty for one hundred and forty yards, and it will be the best performance of his career if he finishes the game with those numbers. And if he finishes the game, period, which he has never done, he has never finished a game he has started. So, no. you know, all of those things are just. They gnaw at me, and, you know, I'd love for him to shut me up because I thought last time for sure was his last chance because they preach accountability so much, and that's one reason McCoy is still in the room, I think. But, you know, they, I, I just can't understand why he's still around, man. I just – I'm going to go out now and buy some cigarettes and take a drag of one and just say I don't get it, man, over and over again because I feel that's the only response to Nathan Peterman starting yet again this weekend. It's – it's remarkable. Again, compare Derek Anderson's reasonable performance on Sunday night and the, and in what was the most anemic offense ever, and then realize Nathan Peterman is leagues below that. Like he is truly a negative experience. He's negative war. He is. He is hurting your team on the field it's a hard thing to do in this league to be so bad to be right to be to be truly like and at the most important position too if you're a garbage running back and you're hurting your team you can't hurt your team nearly as much as a garbage quarterback you just can't and the same with a all sorts of positions and he truly is a just been awful and to the point where Derek Anderson's 290 yards. Also, compare that to, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, let's talk about how bad Peterman is, but um, it's not as if there's a pantheon of great quarterbacks over the last 15 to 16 years here, but it's just really bad. And it's just the fact that they haven't found a way to address it sooner than this. um, And they, they, the only time they address quarterback at all is when they absolutely, like literally absolutely have to, and there are no other options. 
um, where, you know, they were only going to go into a game with one quarterback. Like that's the only time we've ever addressed quarterback is pull this guy in off the street. And again, you could have pulled Matt Barkley in off the street two weeks ago, and he'd be that much further along and you could get rid of Nathan Peterman. And I think Scott's right. It's pretty clear that that's not what that is not in the plans and that's not what they want to do. They want to hold on to him because they've got some sort of hard on for his approach. And it's uh, it's disappointing. It's very disappointing. I, I do enjoy the the Nathan Peterman phenomenon, though. I feel like yes. it was like a it is, it is officially called Peter Mania. Yeah, like the whole thing of like he's bigger than life now. Like I, like he's reaching like like he's he's gonna break the the NFL barrier. He's a he's gonna be a crossover star. He's gonna start like showing up on reality television. He's gonna he's gonna be guest DJing on the weekends at clubs. It's gonna be a whole thing. I can't wait. There was a great. Uh, it was on I think Reddit or maybe Twitter. A picture of Nathan Peterman holding a bowl of Halloween candy, and it said, "Happy Halloween! You can pick six. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty good. So uh, easy, so good. Easy. Uh, all right, now it's time for the Paul part of the show because we have right. this day in Bill's headlines and. Facebook, yeah, Facebook questions. questions. Yeah, let's, I think we'll, let's do Facebook questions first, and then we'll. All right, we're eighty percent. We're eighty percent, Stephen, on the Facebook questions, but we've got one from Greg as well, so we can go through these. Shouldn't take too long because we've talked about a lot of this already. Stephen Note got really frustrated with Anderson throwing short on third down so much, even the manageable ones, since especially since they had actual shot at this one. And I think too, there was a fourth down play where he threw it like ten yards short of the sticks, and that drove me nuts too. Steven, but he's, as we discussed, he's kind of that replacement level quarterback. And, you know, you're going to, he's going to make those safe plays, especially after he was picked off to high heaven the week before. Mm -hmm. Steven also says, I've read more than this was hilarious to me because it's true. It's funny because it's true, as the great Homer Simpson said. I've read more than a few comments about how Zay Jones finally appears to be putting it together. How low are our expectations? You know, and that's a good, because he's got like what? 240 some yards and 18 catches or something like that. And one touchdown. And it's like, wow, he's really had a breakthrough game. Like he looked like a guy who could catch a football in the national football league is what he looked like. And we're all excited about it, but Hey, maybe he does move to the slot. He has at least not dropped a lot of balls. He does seem to be able to get open. So definitely progress from his, his freshman year anyway. Yeah. The bills are definitely in a, if you don't vomit on your shoes, you can play. That's, that's like our level of, requirement here as it should be uh steven also notes and we uh, i mentioned this briefly at least would have liked to see ivory get more touches he was having more success in mccoy not that that's saying much but second and seven is better than second and 12 and i i i would like to see ivory touch the ball a little bit more too he is the again the leroy horde of this offense he will get you three yards that is what he does right. But that's what you need sometimes when you're going backwards because, as we discussed, you know, after that first carry of the game, McCoy was 11 carries for one yard. Ivory I like because he is a nice change of pace. He is a different type of back than McCoy, and that at least keeps a defense honest with what it has to do. So if, you know, this week we see McCoy get 20 carries and Ivory get 13 or 14, that, you know, five or six of those would have gone to LaShawn normally, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Um, Steven. Yes. Also noted Dawkins' whiff was legendary. How do you miss that bad? I thought I tweeted oh, that that was going to cost them the game. That was terrible. They helped him do a field goal, that but that was, was – And he's been so decent this year. And, yes, I, I know I just used decent. Like, that's an accomplishment on the Bills' offensive line. This is the bar. There's yeah. The bar. 
it was it almost looked like he was it was like the movie 13 ghosts it's like he couldn't see exactly who he was trying to block and was just guessing where he might be was that a 13 ghost reference it was how many halloween movies have you been watching Wow. Don't don't ask my wife. It's been too many. It's been like almost every night for about two weeks now. I've tried to to watch them because every year I'm like I'm going to watch more Halloween movies, and then I I don't. And this year I stuck to it. And many of them have been crappy. It was Urban Legends last night. You might remember that oh, one. Yeah, so good. I love so, that one. So that yeah. so Paul's been engaging in a lot of paranormal activity is what he's trying. Yes, to Yes, although that one has not been watched yet. So I'll see what's on have after. You, have you seen them before? Oh, I've seen the first one. I've never seen these sequels. The sequels are all terrible, but they're all just scary and not all terrible. The second, no, no, the first one was scary. Like it ends with her staring at the camera creepily and stuff. I was cool with that. That yeah. first one. Yeah, no, first one, first yeah. one got to me a little. Yeah, no. Then and then we kept going. Well, we got to watch it to see what happens. And they just kept scaring us, but they weren't as good. They were just like the scares were good, but the, the jump scares, yeah. the jump scares were really good, and like they made me want to pee a little. But that like the like. You, the I wasn't I satisfied with the mythology and so forth throughout, rather than just all the jump scares. That makes a good, good horror movie. But we'll we'll discuss that. We've discussed enough horror tonight, probably in recap the cats game. But um, all right. And Stephen notes, and I've done this just for kicks. Rank the following according to who you would like to have starring in QB this weekend: Nathan Peterman, Jeff Toole, Thad Lewis, E.J. Manuel, Geno Smith, Colin Kaepernick, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow. So I can say is this active or like or like in their in their in their careers. Like I'm just going to take that. It was, since he says would like to have started this weekend, I would think he would mean right now because he didn't pick, uh, you know, Gail Gilbert or someone from the Wayback Machine. These are all people who started football games in the 2010s. So okay. I've saved some work and done the definitive list. I'm going to uh, say I'm going to go plot twist and say Nathan Peterman because at this point. I don't want to win any more football games. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I am ready to piss this season away. It's not going to matter. And so, even though I think Colin Kaepernick would probably give you the best chance to win, uh, assuming we could get him, you yeah. know, we were allowed to get him prepared magically somehow, um, I don't want that anymore. So, see, so yeah, my list, I had Kaepernick. I, I'm trying to win, so I'm taking the opposite approach. But I had Kaepernick. One, because he's actually one in the league. Tebow, yep. two, because look at the rest of that list and tell me who's, you know, who's won playoff games, who can at least do something, and yep. who's, you know, he can hit a home run. Three, this was a tough one. I'm going with Thad Lewis. I feel he's, he's, mm. he always seemed like he was pretty fit. I always felt when <laughs> I, re I remember when he and EJ Manuel were quarterbacking the team in 2013 and Manuel was hurt. I'm like, I'm kind of okay with this because I feel like Lewis is better. And then this is when the rest of the crap show begins. Four, I put EJ. He's out of the league. Five, I put Gino. EJ beat Gino a number of times. That, to me, is unforgivable, so Gino's lower. Six, I had Manziel because he's still playing football, even if it is a Canadian variety. Seven and eight were tough. Seven, I did go with Jeff Toole, even because I feel like he's only thrown two pick sixes to his one career touchdown for the Bills. So I feel like he's done less damage to the Bills overall. And by right, virtue right. of doing less damage, I rank him seventh in Peterman. Mm. So it's definitive. You can't argue it, though, if you find others. I might argue it. No, I'm just kidding. All right. I feel like Tebow's a little. He's high, but really look on this list and who's like, OK, this guy is clearly better than Tim Tebow. If you can find no, that. No, I no, I, I agree. I, I think I think I, I, I 
I was going to say it, it frustrates me, but I think he's a good choice there. I, I feel like it's, it's like, I don't want to say it, but he kind of is like, it's him and Kaepernick. Those are the, those are the two most logical choices. And, and obviously they both have like second careers at this point. So they're not really going to be ready, but uh, yeah, the call, the call probably needs to be made at some point. Yep. It will. I, I have a feeling at some point it will. Last question from Greg. Why did the offense start the game? With those We've got a call. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How is that going to confound the Patriots juggernaut? We talked about that a little bit uh, already, and I was okay with it because, again, that first Wildcat play worked. The flea flicker clay was open down the sideline for what would have been a 30-yard gain if the pass were on target. And, again, when you're an inferior team talent-wise, you literally have to throw the kitchen sink at them. I was hoping they would replace football with the kitchen sink and Derek Anderson would throw it at one point. That's that's what you need to do to to beat the Patriots juggernaut. So maybe it's not necessarily going to fool them, but you've got to you've got to try everything when you are a fourteen point home underdog against a team that's far better than you. And those were the uh, the Facebook questions. Very nice. Uh, I know we've given you a lot to talk about. Can you go ahead and, and get us on this day in Bills headline so we can move on to how much we think they'll lose to the Bears by? Yep, and we can whip through this. We didn't have about eight, it looks like, this week. Not as many as usual. Uh, so we'll start. 2016, X-Bill blank haunts former team as Patriot. 2016? Yep. X-Bill blank. Chris Hogan, right? Yeah. Chris Hogan. Good job, guys. As a game where he burns to find Gilmore. It's find Gilmore look back like it was someone else's fault. Now they're teammates and both playing well for the Patriots. Screw you both. Uh, meaning Hogan and, and Gilmore, not you guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, 2014, blank named Offensive Rookie of the Month. 2014? Yep. Offensive, offensive Rookie of the Month. And it would, it's a uh, bill? It's a bill. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There's a uh, bill play. Remember, this was the Kyle Orton season, so they actually did do okay on offense that year. They went 9-7 and seven even. Um. Yeah. It's got to be a wide receiver, and I can't think of who. Is it? Oh, yeah, I can't think. I can't. Uh, it's bothering me. I want to say, like, it's too late for Stevie. And it's, yeah. It's um, too late for CJ, and we didn't draft running backs again. You know what? How about How about Carlos Williams? Carlos was a really good guess. I think he was 2014. He might have been 2015. It was Sammy Watkins offensive. Sammy record. Watkins, yeah. That's yeah. I was gonna say I was I was gonna get to Woods and I was like, wait, wait. Yeah, Woods was 2013. Woods How did we forget Sammy Watkins? Yeah. Uh yeah. the Chiefs happened, unfortunately. All right, 2013. Injury to blank has Bill scrambling with Tool Flynn at quarterback. This is, about this, this is Thad Lewis getting Thad Lewis, yep. It was, and, be, and it turns out Lewis was going to be hurt, and then the three of us got to see Jeff Tools on the career start in person the next week. Ah, memories. 2011, blank earns share of team tight end record with six TD of season. Spoiler alert, he would go on to catch no more passes, no more touchdowns the rest of the season, and thus he would not break that record. What, what year? 2011. Scott Chandler Bing. Scott Chandler Bing. Very good. Nice. The other headline today was Bill Sack Washington take AFC East lead. They were five and two and in the lead in the AFC East seven years ago. Uh -huh. um, we'll finish with the games. 2003, we're going to jump way back here before I get into the games. 
Uh, if season doesn't improve, Bills coach blank should pay for teams disappointing play. New head coach Greg <laughs> Double Triple G Williams. Yeah, that was a Frank special since Frank was uh, was having some fun at uh, at Greg's expense on Twitter today. Yes. 2002, blank named AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. 2002? 2002, yes. Nate Clements. Not a bad guess. He was a punt returner as well. We had him last week. We did Winfield and Clements in the last week. So, yeah. um, oh, uh, I want to say, um, I don't know. That's what I want right. to say. Uh, so Brian, Brian Mormon. Punter got it. I was wondering who the punter would have been, and as I was wondering if that was too early for him. All right, now you're gonna have to do the next two. You're gonna have to dip into the end of careers of Super Bowl era Bills. 2001 Vikings release former Bills safety blank. Vikings release. Oh, oh, what was that, Frank? Henry Jones. Henry Jones. Yeah, come on, Henry Jones. All right, 2000. Uh, blank to miss four to six weeks, depleting Bills offensive line. Super Bowl era guy. His name is on the the ring of the ring of honor wall of fame. Whatever they Ruben call Brown. It. No, good guess, but uh, defensive line. Defensive line. He would play one more season after this with the Bills. Bruce. Nope, but a good guess. He was done with the Bills in '99. Actually, this was this guy's last season with the Bills. It was. Uh, Another good guess. It was actually Phil Hansen. Phil Hansen. Phil Hansen. All right. We'll we'll whip through the three games quickly. Uh, Bills 13, Ravens 10 in 1999 on this day. I was going to ask who the head linesman was that day, which was, of course, Ernie France, who was then the replay official for the Bills-Falcons last year, which was the only game where he plays on Bills' way. Pick a tough one. All right. All right. So here's a... Okay, this the other headline this day. I'm going to skip the one game. We'll just do this game and one other. Uh, this former Bills tight end was arrested after 8 p.m. Friday in an area where undercover officers were operating as a prostitution sting. This former Bills tight end, then with the Chiefs, stopped his car near an officer, posed as a prostitute who approached Johnson, started talking with him. Damn it, I said his name. Mitchell said, Blank reached over, <laughs> allegedly grabbed the officer, and was arrested for assault. Can you name the first name? Of this former Bills tight end who was arrested in a prostitution sting. Uh, I, I actually can't. It's I. No. We, had, we had a tight end named Johnson. Uh, yeah. and, and, he, and he was arrested in a in a in a prostitute sting. Ha ha. Wiener joke. Okay. Um, Johnny Johnson. It rhymed. Uh, it's Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson. Uh, Five seasons with the Bills, most known for uh, <laughs> thinking he was about to run in a fake punt for a touchdown. He turned around, forgot the punt return there, and the Packers punt returner just leveled him, and that ended his Bills career. Uh, the Bills beat the Chiefs in 2010, or the Bills lost to the Chiefs in OT, 13-10 in 2010. I won't recap this game. This was that painful game where the Chiefs won on the last play of overtime. All right, so our main trivia question, 2004. In the last game I was at in person before I moved to Washington, D.C., uh, the next uh, before the next year started, the Bills beat the Cardinals 38-14 to this day. The Cardinals quarterback that day passed for 101 yards. Willis McGahee rushed for 102 yards, so he needed 30 carries to do it. But this, this Cardinals quarterback went 9 for 24th, 101 yards. Note, 
This was a 2004 game. He totally destroyed the Bills in a game last year. Can you name this Cardinals quarterback? Cardinals quarterback from 04. From 04. That just still in the league. Still in the league last did, year. Yep. Crushed not, the Bills in a game. So not Tom Brady. Nope. Um. Hmm. I don't know. Let me I, let me think about it for a second here. There's lots of teams that have beaten us soundly in the last year and a half. <laughs> right. So, but this this was specifically last year, right? This so was last year. Who did they lose to last year? They played seven teams. Yeah, Actually, six because they lost to the Patriots twice. They lost to the Patriots twice. Um, why can't I think of any more of their losses? Because that blocked out. It was kind of yeah, a, denial. That's that's, what, uh, that's this, how we get through the so days. We beat Atlanta. Uh, we beat Denver. Right. They lost to the Saints. They and it, so it wouldn't have been Drew Brees because he was in San Diego. Nope. They lost to the Jets. Um, who was the Jets quarterback last year? Keep keep uh, on that line, Fitz. Frank. No, it wasn't Fitz. Fitz, Fitz was, was Fitz, no. Fitz would have been in the Bengals. I, okay, I'm going to pull up yeah. 20. I'm, I'm going to cheat a little, Bills. No, I think this is a good cheat, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have been the uh, – did the did we beat the Panthers? We beat the Panthers, right? Let's see. The Bills lost to the Ravens last year and then lost to the Jets. Then they beat the Cardinals, beat the Patriots. That was Jacoby Brissett, right? And then beat the Rams. Is this the right season? No, that's 2016. You're going to 2015. Yeah, yeah. Suck Google. Jesus. <laughs> Brian Fitzpatrick, by the way, was not in the NFL yet in 2004. He was still at uh, – I, I can't remember what college he went to, but he was, he was playing college. It was probably, it was probably Harvard or something. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. Bills um, beat the Jets, lose to the Panthers, which was Cam. Then they lost to the yeah. Bengals, which would have been um, not AJ McCarron, the other one, the guy who. Kitna. Right, Kit. Um, no. John, John Kitna? No, no, not Kitna. Because remember, Dalton was their QB last year, who was. Uh, oh, they lost okay. to the Chargers, Phillip right, Rivers. Right. They lost to. Um, let's see, they beat the Dolphins, lost to the Patriots, beat the Dolphins. Beat the Colts, lost to the Patriots, beat the Chiefs, lost to this. So it's not the Chargers, it's not the Saints. It's got to be the Jets game. And I don't want to click on it to see who it was. <laughs> uh, that would beat... give you the answer. Right. Who was the who was the Jets quarterback <laughs> last year? Black? Josh McCown. Josh McCown. Yes. He got there. The oh, McCown. Wow. 2002 right. to 2017 right. in his career. So actually, 2002 to 2018. Right. He hasn't played yet this year, but he is backing cool. up Sam Darnold in uh, in New York. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, this day in Bill's headlines, Halloween edition. Well that done. That was a rough beatdown last year. I forgot about that one. That's right. That was kind of in that stretch of uh, Sunday night, Thursday night. That was a Thursday night game. Right. We watched that one together. Yeah. That's the one that led to um, well, that and the the uh, the Saints game led to Nathan Peterman's first start, I think, yep. right? Yep, because they lost that game and then they lost to the Saints the next right. week. Right, and then, then Peterman was... looked good in garbage time against the Saints, so that's when McDermott had the the idea that we're all cursed with today. Right. Um, oh wow! Well, that was really well done once again. Thank you, Paul, for oh, yeah. most effort that anybody puts into this podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, easily we should finish up here bills are 10 point underdogs as from what i've seen to the bears who
who are surprisingly good. Um, well, they're they're okay, and they're they're in either division the number one the number one defense in football per DOV, DVOA. And I think the Bills are second or close to. They're up there. Uh, the the Bills are last in DVOA and offense. Yes, right. Oh, that side of the that side's going to be awful. Like that matchup is terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. The the Bears have Mitchell Trubisky and Khalil Mack and are favored by ten. And um, I don't think the Bills will win. I think that if Nathan Peterman starts, they'll they'll easily uh, not cover the spread. So, um, you know, however you guys want to talk about it, but I think the I think the Bears have got their their number and and uh, and uh, yeah, I'll say they lose by by twelve. Sure, you can name the score. Like I don't know, fifteen to three. That sounds good. Uh, I guess uh, I, I could go next. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm supposed to direct traffic. Yeah, no, that's all right. I, I just got depressed thinking about the whole thing. I just, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I as much as is, I, I do think they're going to lose this game. I will pick them to lose. But you know, Khalil Mack is questionable, so he'll at least be somewhat limited. They've got a decent number of injuries. Statistically, they look very good. As Scott know, they're ninth in points for, they're eighth in points against. You know, their expected record should be about five and two instead of the four and three they're at. But I've watched two of their games this year, and I know they have some some weaknesses. Trubisky has moments of, of playing very well, but he also, you know, he throws a decent number of picks along with the touchdowns that he throws. He throws a, he's good for a pick a game. You know, he's, his completion percentage is not great. He does get sacked a, a fair bit. And I think their offense overall, it doesn't really just blow me away. They've got Jordan Howard, but, you know, not not all that much. They've got some decent receivers, but, again, no one no one great. So I think it'll be a close battle, but I think the, inevitably the Bears are just a better team, especially with Peterman and quarterback for the Bills, and I will say 17-12. Uh, um, I think this is – the, the toughest thing with the, the Bills is showing is – Frankly, the I don't know. I'm going to put it mostly on effort. I don't think it's a game plan matchup issue with them. The, the weeks that the defense just doesn't show up, the weeks that the defense doesn't get off the bus. Um, it looked like a completely different team playing the Colts um, two weeks ago. And it looked like a completely different team the first week in the Ravens game and the second uh, week against the Chargers compared to what we've seen from the defense at various points this year. So um, I think to me, the... The question is, does the defense show up? And I don't think they will. I think this is the week that they, you know, say, whatever, we'll see you later. And we gave it our all on Monday night, and you guys completely blew it. So um, if anything goes wrong in the first quarter, the Bills defense phones it in, and they lose by 30. Like, it could be one of those type of games. Like, I realize it's at home, and that's the one saving grace that maybe the, the fans will allow the defense to stay in the game longer um, in that case, the Bills still lose. I I agree. I still don't think I still think the Bears would cover. Um, but I think that the the Bills defense will just kind of give up as soon as things go south, which is almost certainly very soon in this game. So and then things just go off the rails from there. So I say the Bills lose. I'm going to put it at like thirty-one three something something bad. Ooh. Um. Okay. Sure. Look, I'm not going to argue with that, right? Like that's where that's where we're at, guys. Like this is not. Right, if you're be... passionately arguing against the Bills getting blown out, you don't know a good argument. You've got yeah. it. Got to just even if we don't agree, like that. 
that that's very plausible. Very, very plausible. If you think that Patrick Mahomes is a good quarterback that the Bills should have uh, drafted, you should let us know it. Bills <laughs> MNY on Twitter. Uh, unlike Get some your hot that, takes here, yeah, yeah, right. Um, bbillsmny at gmail.com, which we don't really check, but they're the two best places are on Twitter, bbillsmny and facebook.com backslash bbillsmny forward slash forward slash forward slash bbillsmny. Um, you can so Facebook and Twitter, you can find us there, uh, anchor.fm. You can look for us, Buffalo Bills, maybe next year in your Google machine on the iTunes. Uh, we post the podcasts, that's how we roll. Uh, we do appreciate the listens. We thank you very much for listening. We hope you're having a nice week. We hope that I hope that after this week, we know what we're going to be watching for the rest of the year. And it's not what I think it is. That's my hope for this game. We come out of it and we say, okay, this is what we're looking at. Now we're looking to see if say Jones can play. And we've gotten some good news on Josh Allen and, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is, playing and 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 so i'm that's what i'm hopeful for um because otherwise we're going to get really silly really quick on this podcast um but thank you all for listening this week we really we we really appreciate it have a good night and take care we'll talk to you next week my name is frank i'm scott i'm paul good night everyone